We are so honored to have you join us for this episode of Beyond the Loss. I'm Aditi Loveridge, bereaved parent to two and parent to one living child. I'm a specialized pregnancy and infant loss coach and founder of the registered charity, the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Center. And I'm Danielle Kaluski, bereaved parent to my daughter, Emelina, and parent to two living daughters. I am the co-founder and director of operations for the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Center. On this show, we share real stories about parenting and healing through pregnancy and infant loss. We allow space for the often silenced truths around loss to be heard. We offer an affirmative space for all people impacted by loss to share their stories, their triumphs, and their healing. Please remember that the stories shared are personal stories and are not to be used in replacement of professional advice. Please visit our charity link in the show notes for additional support should you need. We are so excited to have you join us for today's episode. Let's start talking. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Loss. We are so excited to be joined by Jesse Mundell with us today. Jesse and I have been following each other on Instagram. I've been on Jesse's podcast, and um, it's just been a virtual love affair for many, many years now. So we're very honored to finally have you on um, with us today. Jesse Mundell is a kinesiologist, fitness educator, and fitness coach specializing in prenatal and postnatal exercise training. Jesse is the creator of the Postnatal Fitness Specialist Academy, Core and Floor Restore to Pregnancy and Beyond, and co-host of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. She's focused on effective exercise during pregnancy and postpartum, rehab of the core and pelvic floor, and C-section recovery. Jesse teaches people how to exercise safely and strongly in pregnancy and how to regain their core confidence and fitness as moms and parents. Jesse has worked with hundreds of people during and after their pregnancies and is extremely passionate about giving them the care they need. Super excited to have you on, Jesse. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So my first question to you is what, I mean, you have made, I've, I've got to say, People are not following Jesse on Instagram. I would highly recommend it if you haven't listened to the podcast. Um, Jesse's podcast, highly recommend it. You have, in, in my opinion, really built an empire and have been transformational for me personally and how I view exercise and my body. So, how did you get here? How, what led you to this very powerful and meaningful work? Wow. Well, thank you. And yeah, I'm honored and humbled to hear that. For me, it's been a super long journey to getting to a place with my own personal relationship to my body that feels comfortable and, you know, also recognizing that it's going to be probably work for the entirety of time I live in this body to find some, you know, continued sense and semblance of comfort without turning to restrictive behaviors. And that's really what has led me to do the, the type of fitness coaching work that I do now. And it stemmed from an eating disorder that started at a very young age when I was eight years old. 
um, anorexia. And that was a few years of quite serious, um, quite serious poor health and some scary times. And it really, you know, followed me until my mid 20s, I would say, with, you know, moving out of the eating disorder in a real serious sense, but then into lots of disordered habits around feeding myself and over exercising and using food and exercise as tools to control my body shape. And when I say control my body shape, that really meant to try to keep my body as small as I could, as long as I could. So the work that I have done personally over the last 10-ish years has been to really confront all of that stuff and start to unravel and untangle why I, why I sought this control for so long and where these ideas that I had about bodies and specifically larger bodies, bigger bodies, fatter bodies, where that came from. And where my resistance and fear and all sorts of discomfort really stem from, because they didn't just, they didn't come from nowhere. You know, I didn't just pull them from nowhere when I was an eight-year-old child all the way through to adulthood. So the work that I've done personally has really reflected in my professional work in fitness coaching and the education that I do with fitness and health professionals. And it's so so key for me in the work that I do with pregnant postpartum people, moms and parents, because as you know so well, these folks are just going through such big stuff in their lives to begin with. And it's really painful and disappointing for me to see that my industry, the fitness industry, just continues to pile more stress, overwhelm, and pressure on pregnant and postpartum people to feel a certain way about their bodies. And that certain way is to feel terrible about their bodies and like they need fixing. So I just try to interrupt that messaging whenever I can for the people that I work with and also for myself too. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I, like your posts and your voice have, has, like I said, have been transformational for me in that interruption it's so hard to interrupt that because like you said the fitness industry has has become a lot of our inner dialogue I think for people and it's so hard to interrupt that like that cycle of hate and trying to fix and um and all of it and 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 one thing I I see that's really really hard for the loss community in particular. And there's a lot of messaging for postpartum people about, you know, it took nine months, you know, to, to bring your baby into this world. And so give yourself the grace. It'll take nine months to lose the baby weight and get back to where you were fitness and all those messages. And what I see from supporting clients who have had pregnancy and infant loss is, well, we don't have the baby on the other side of this. Some of us didn't make it to nine months either, and yet our body changed dramatically. So I see a lot of clients coming to us with this, how do I even find gratitude in this body? Because A, it's a totally different shape and size (laughs) than I wanted it to be, and it didn't function how I wanted it to. I don't get that baby at the end of this. Um, So how do I allow myself that grace and that in that period, a lot of people don't think that they're postpartum, right? So, so there's this whole bunch of like disconnecting messages, I think, for the lost community. 
what do you have to say about that? Like, what are some insights of that interrupting those thoughts that you would, you know, tell tell these folks who are navigating a postpartum without without a baby? Uh, yeah, it's such an important, such an important conversation to have and to continue having. And it's interesting because I don't know if you follow Chrissy Teigen, but I just saw a post of hers on Instagram recently where she was talking exactly about this with the loss of their baby maybe earlier this year. And she was saying, you know, this body just feels so strange to me now. It's so different. And it was, you know, halfway through this pregnancy and it just feels so strange living in this changed body that she had never experienced before in that particular way. So yeah, and this resonates with so many of our clients who have experienced a loss as well too. Like you said, I think we see a lot of this messaging for folks who are postpartum after say full-term pregnancies, they're caring for uh, newborn, other children at home, and it is to have gratitude for what their body has done. And we try to not... We try to not put that focus on ourselves, our clients in the work that we do. I think that that can be a strategy for some people in some regards. But yeah, specifically when we're talking about loss, it can be such a hard spot for people to feel like this body was good. So we do a lot of continued conversations around what a good body is, what a useful body is, what it might mean to have some sense of appreciation for our body, even when we feel like it didn't do the thing that we wanted it to do. And so much space for just feeling a lot of disappointment in maybe what our bodies do look like right now. I think that that might be a spot of confusion for people too, is to uh, to feel like they need to, uh, you know, fall back in love with their bodies or find things that they love about their bodies. And the honest truth is that you don't need to do that right now. You don't need to feel like that's ever a goal for you to love your body. Perhaps, perhaps we can start taking some mini tiny steps toward finding perhaps some neutral ground, some appreciation, some respect for for our bodies in some type of way. And that doesn't have to have anything to do with its physical function. Yeah, I think that that piece of it is so like from from my perspective of sitting with clients in coaching sessions is not fitness coaching, obviously, but the, the mental coaching. Um, is that piece as I see a lot of people now they don't have their babies, their bodies have changed, irregardless of at what point in pregnancy they lost baby. And then they they feel like the way to get through that is to exercise, get back, like you said earlier, is get back to that smallest point in which they were, right? And then they feel like somehow they're going to be fixed if they get there. And so it's this like, that becomes almost like their first priority mm-hmm. and they and they're over exercising probably too soon because they are postpartum not without realizing that and so when you say like perhaps getting back to that like space of allowing themselves to to be disappointed and to be angry 
before maybe doing anything else. How does how does one actually do that, especially when there's all these messages around us that like you need to look a certain way, and especially if you don't have a baby and that kind of that grace and I'm saying I'm has I have air quotes, <laughs> but that grace period of being like you're postpartum with a living with a living baby. So give yourself the grace of knowing that you have time to return to some sort of however you looked before. Um, when you don't have that living child, like how do people push back against those thoughts? Because this messaging is just so prominent in our society and so damaging. Yeah, it really is. It really is so damaging and it's so, so tough to yeah, to kind of stay in your lane and to not let all those pressures and thoughts and messages seep in. So what what I talk to clients quite a lot about is this idea that perhaps your body will not change. Perhaps your body shape, composition, the physical function of it, it might not change. It might be like this for quite a long time, or maybe it will be like this forever. Because this is a frustration of mine within postpartum fitness coaching too, is that, you know, we, as the practitioner, we feel like we're doing a service to the client when we tell them, don't worry, it's not going to be like this for long. Like you were saying, Aditi, nine months in, nine months out, and all this messaging that can be really so damaging and harmful. But we feel like we're just trying to soothe the person. They're feeling so uncomfortable, and we just want to move them past that discomfort as quick as possible. And what if we don't do that? What if we actually just sit with them in the suck of it all and acknowledge that we don't know what your body is going to do next. We don't know if it's going to get smaller or bigger, or it's going to stay like this for the next two or three years. We're just not sure. So knowing all of that, how do we then take care of ourselves physically mentally, emotionally, spiritually, how do we take care of ourselves without tying it to our body composition or even to our physical fitness in some way? Is it worth it for us? Is it worth it for you to move your body, to exercise in a gentle, progressive way for now if your body composition isn't going to change? And those conversations tend to bring a lot of clarity and answers for people. And no answer is the right one. Just It's just information, which I think can be a useful starting point. Yeah. I mean, these are questions that I don't think I've heard a lot, <laughs> a lot, right? Just even thinking of that, right? Like, what if I worked out so that my goal wasn't always to change my body? Yeah, I was going to say, what else is there? What else is there to exercise? And I was in this place for so, so long myself too, that really the only thing that was tied to exercise, even if I said it was about other things to myself or to my fitness coaching, personal training clients, it was to control my body, to keep it a certain way. 
And to go down this path of starting to not do that and to really question yourself and to question all the reasons why you thought you liked exercise and do you still like exercise? What do you like about it? What else does it do for you? I think it's it can be really, really important work for people. Jesse, you said something that really hit me here, and that was the work. Coming back to you know what you've been saying here is like having that conversation and figuring out the why and and be willing to do the work, right? So, for example, I'm like many of these bereaved individuals who had a stillbirth at nine months, had no baby, decided that I was going to go work out once I got the six weeks. I was going to get back to my quote normal body but I wasn't dealing with anything else I was just going to get back to this normal body and looking back I wasn't getting back to anything I wasn't dealing with my grief I wasn't doing anything I was just channeling kind of the pain into something else right you know my trainer did a great job however she never dealt with a bereaved parent so she was like well you know, what are you, what are you interested in? Let's get you in the pool. Let's do this. But at the end of the day, none of that, it may have helped my body, I guess, but it wasn't helping my mind. And from what you're talking about is there's a mind body connection that really needs to be in alignment when we're kind of looking at postpartum, whether it's like what you, what I've heard you say is whether it's like one year or 10 years, postpartum is still there. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is it is really interesting as a as a fitness professional to work with postpartum people who you know are more often than not it is the norm feeling really uncomfortable in their bodies, super uncomfortable in their body composition and often feeling a lot of urgency to change how their body is right now. So I think for me, it's just, I try to be so intentional about my language that I use around exercise in my conversations with clients. So intentional about how we talk about the movements that we're doing and what the purpose and the intention is, how we talk about what the value of exercise is for them. And like you're saying, there is a ton of value in movement for postpartum people. However, someone got to be postpartum, it can be so beneficial for their physical comfort. And I mean, from a pain or symptoms level, achiness, all the stuff that can go around with postpartum bodies and feeling, you know, kind of icky and achy, it can, can support our mental and emotional health so beautifully. What I think is so impactful for people is to really is to really question their ideas that they've been handed about exercise and their body. And that really starts with looking at our anti-fatness or our anti-fat bias, or perhaps it's your internalized anti-fatness if that fits for you. Because I think that what we see so often with our clients is that 
they're so tied to their bodies being able to do certain things or so tied to their body looking a particular way. And there's a really deep rooted sense of control that we have around our bodies, especially when you're in a time period that feels like you are spinning out of control. And so I think that what tends to be missing and lacking for me in the conversations around postnatal exercise and you know, not going down this route of getting your body back is that we miss the the specific conversations around anti-fatness and the roots of anti-fatness being within anti-Black racism and having these really deep conversations that some people might think, you know, it's just exercise, it's just movement. But really, we're all conditioned within these systems and society that we have to take a look at and start unraveling if we really want to get to the bottom of it. And I think that, you know, pregnancy and postpartum can be a really opportune time to do so when your body is going through such immense changes as it does. Yeah. You said I was nodding my head, which of course none of us can see, but you're so correct. I'm, I see it so much more when I, um, I've had the opportunity to live with my my grandmother and my mother over the last few years. And it's very interesting when you're saying like the rootness of the fatness and the control, how ingrained it is into even myself, but it comes really from where society was, where the, it comes back really back from history. You know, my grandmother is in her late eighties and she's still to this day worried about her shape of her body. She doesn't exercise, although she is a very fit woman at 85. She doesn't exercise to be fit or to be healthy or to be strong. She exercises for her body shape. And it's very interesting when you talk to like the fatness and how it's like, it's right back into racism and all um, the, that piece of it, because I can see it myself in like, looking at my own body and my own body has changed over the years due to medication, due to chronic illness, to all kinds of things. And I have tried every fitness program underneath the sun until I decided that it wasn't the fitness I needed. It was the movement I needed. I needed to get, you know, my body moving. So as you shared, it's not, it's about the aches and the pains, not necessarily about what that body shape is going to look like at the end. It's about taking, you know, that's not necessarily control because you said, you know, we talk or we're focused on the control when we look at fitness or our body shapes or anything like that. But for me, it was taking control of the aspect that I didn't like how I was feeling. I didn't like the aches and the pains. What could I personally do to reduce that? Strictly, that's what I, I walk every day strictly to reduce the pain, not because I'm trying to be something in the future. It's to deal with today's um pain or uncomfortableness due to the fact that I'm not mobile if that makes sense yeah yeah that's so I'm smiling so big over here (laughs) that you can't see but thanks for sharing that and I'm so pleased that you have found yeah that you have found yourself in this place where movement feels good and supportive for you and what I think is always really important for me when I talk about body stuff and body image is just to 
always position myself and my identities within the conversation. And that is that I am a white, cis woman, able-bodied. I live in Canada. I have a lot of body privilege. And so my perspective on body stuff is limited. And I always want to recognize that along with saying that I understand why folks want to change their bodies and want to be in a smaller body, especially those with less body privilege, because our, like we're saying, system, society, we are set up to benefit in particular ways. Some folks are set up to benefit in particular, very real ways. So yeah, my, this is not critical on any person who wants to change their body. I just try to be critical about the systems that have us feeling like we need to. And it's very real that some people will want to change their body for personal safety. Yeah. Can you talk, can you tell me, speak a little bit more about the personal safety when you say personal safety? Yeah. You know, I just think of, again, noticing my own, noting my own identities and then considering a black trans woman who has much less safety than I. Very real, very real dangers and consequences that can come from living in that body versus living in my body. And I see this you know, I see this with my clients and all the conversations that we might have working, say, with someone in uh, pregnancy, an Indigenous woman in Canada who is navigating the healthcare system really differently than I navigated the healthcare system during my two pregnancies or working with Black women within the U.S. Um, it just, these things, considering people's personal identities and the very ways that they move and need to navigate these systems in our society, one being healthcare, the medical industrial complex, is these are the conversations that go along with fitness coaching because I have to consider all the stuff that is happening for a particular person. And I have to consider how I show up to these conversations based on my own lived experiences and know that that is going to be so deeply different than how some people live. Yes, thank you. And that's honestly one of the... um one of the one of the many i should say reasons why i love following you and your work and your page um is because you really it's not only about fitness like you're really you're not seeing it from like the surface level let's get people to buy into <laughs> into my program and lose weight you were like taking them on a healing journey, you're educating them, you're opening and expanding their minds so that they can see not only themselves, but see how they show up in these systems, and how those systems impact them on like cell on a cellular level, right? Like that, that's for me, what has always 
resonated about about you and your page. It's like, that's what we try to do here at the center, right? There's just so much alignment is we try to get people to see that loss, their surface level healing and their surface level conversations we can have about pregnancy and infant loss. And we're here to do that deeper conversation. We're here to talk about the impacts and the systems and how it impacts different people differently and how we participate in those systems and how we like perpetuate these systems without even knowing. And if we never have these conversations, much of which are very uncomfortable, (laughs) um, how do we actually change anything if we're not having these conversations? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, it can be yeah, very uncomfortable work and conversations to engage in, but that's exactly it. You know, I, the work that we do and specifically with the fitness and health professionals that we train and Aditi that you've been part of working with in our postnatal fitness specialist academy, it, the goal is to not have it be a quote unquote traditional postnatal fitness program in any regard, because what that tends to mean and what we see in other parts of the industry is that those programs are talking about exercises to get your belly flat, to close your gap between your abdominal muscles after postpartum, talking about like the best way to do technique in these movements and all that stuff is good. And I can totally nerd out on that. But I also want us to be having these conversations about how we support people through really hard things that they are likely to be going through. And uh, yeah, considering our own biases as the practitioner, how we show up in the work that we do. And if we say we care about pregnant, birthing, and postpartum people, what kinds of people do we actually care about? How is that reflected in our clientele and in our patients and in our access to services and just all all of the things? Ah, you're giving me goosebumps because... Because that's exactly, that's exactly the conversations Danielle and I have like at the leadership level of the, of the charity is, is exactly that, right? We're saying that we're advocating for pregnancy and infant loss. How is that actually reflected in the communities and the people that we're advocating for? Because whenever we're talking about pregnancy and infant loss, there is a whole group of folks that are experiencing so much intersections and complexity within that loss that people, I'd say traditional, quote unquote, traditional organizations are not addressing. Just like you said, your po- your fitness, the, it's not a postnatal, it's not your traditional postnatal training. It, it, you're, you're, when you come to the Jesse Mandel, you're coming and you're, you're getting all of that stuff and you're getting all of the stuff underneath which is, which for, for me, which is, which is everything because especially as a woman of color, it is everything. Like I can't, <laughs> I don't know how to articulate, I guess, what, what this type of work means for me as a woman of color. Yeah. Thank you. And just one more note on that for me is that when the students come into our 
academy to learn how to better work with postpartum people. And like we've been talking about having these conversations about more than how do we help someone stop peeing their pants after postpartum, after they've given birth. It's just been so important for us to build out this group of instructors, Aditi, including yourself and other Black, Brown, Indigenous women, people to lead these conversations uh, because it's not me to, I'm not the one, I'm not the right fit. I'm not the educator in many of these conversations that we're having about anti-fatness or anti-Black racism and the roots of of anti-fatness and how, you know, the fitness industry is built upon these white supremacist ideals or standards of bodies. Um, So I just, I really, yeah, thank you for contributing and to all of the, the folks who I have learned so much from to, yeah, to hopefully develop into a better service provider coach myself. Thank you for that. And I, and I do, I thank you for elevating those voices and those, and, and those platforms um, and, and always intentionally and consciously including, including those folks in, in this conversation. I, I very much value that. I, I wonder, because I imagine as a coach, there's been like a transition of how, like for me, there's been a huge transition of how I do my work and how I intentionally include these conversations in the work um in that kind of transitional space of of who you were I guess before really actively and progressively intentionally making this a part of the fitness conversation did you see pushback yes yes I uh, still do (laughs) still do I think that you know this might be it might be an important thing for other perhaps white folks listening in to our hearing because I, yeah, am really uncomfortable in these conversations much of the time because I am learning and I'm learning a ton and I stumble often. But what I think that I have, what my intention has been is to get much better at just being quiet and listening and apologizing and then moving it forward and realizing that that's it's the only way forward and then the second part of this which I do behind the scenes quite often is try to reach out to my fellow white colleagues and talk you know, specifically to other white practitioners in fitness industry. And those conversations often don't go very well. They can be, there can be a lot of defensiveness that arises from that, but I keep trying and I keep trying and it will always be, it will always be worth it because my discomfort is uh, it's nothing compared to to the real to the real discomfort that other people are actually living so yeah pushback for sure i think so a lot of confusion from other people in my industry and maybe yeah thinking that 
I don't know, that maybe I'm going quote unquote overboard or my content about exercise and postnatal recovery isn't relevant. But again, I just think that when we talk about postnatal fitness and health, and as my friend and colleague Chrissy King always talks about, if we're saying that we are health practitioners, that we work in health, then health includes having hard conversations about racism and white supremacy, for example. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. It's 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 not easy. <laughs> the the work's not easy. And like I said, I, I appreciate um, how you show up in this space and how you allow others um, to show up in the space alongside you. For our listeners today who are anywhere, I would say anywhere in their journey after loss. So whether it's been a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of years, um, and they're struggling to kind of reconcile their relationship with their bodies. What do you think would be the first step or the first thing that you would say to our community who clearly the, the, the normal, I'm saying normal, quote unquote, normal approach to fitness isn't, isn't serving them? Mm-hmm. I think the first step is to start questioning, to start questioning why you, why you're exercising and why you want your body to be different. And often the different is that we want our bodies to be smaller. So I joke that I just coach in questions always. It's just questions. I don't know that I have any answers per se, but I have a lot of questions to ask. And I think that that's important for us to do for our own selves too, is to ask yourself, why do I feel uncomfortable in my body as it is like this? Why? What is that? What is underneath around that? And just keep on digging and uh, and getting to the bottom of it in some way. I think these conversations with yourself is going to it's going to probably need to be something that happens often. And I talk about this a lot for myself too. I've been doing some body image work for the better part of a decade now, and. Uh, I had this moment the other night at adult gymnastics where I was catching glimpses of my body and my belly in the mirror and feeling really deeply uncomfortable in it. And my work in that moment is just to catch myself in the thought, to notice I'm having the thought, and then soothe myself in some self-talk ways. And then to go and take care of myself and to rest and move and eat in a way that in no way leads to restriction. So 10 years in, and I'm still doing this work. And like I was saying earlier, I think that it will be part of the work that I do living in this body for the rest of my life. And that is fine. And that is okay. And that's probably how it's going to be. So if you're ready to if you're ready for a different way, you know you want something different. The way that's being marketed to you doesn't feel good. It doesn't align with your values. It's not feeling good within your body. Then just know that it's probably going to be a journey, 
But that catching myself in the thought and then settling from it happens so quickly now when say 10 years ago, it maybe would have taken me a full day or two days. So just know that it's going to become quicker, that you are able to catch the thought, soothe yourself and comfort yourself in a way that is truly beneficial for your health. So start with the questioning and see where that takes you. And so much alignment there, Jesse, with like the work that we talk about in terms of grief work. In my in my coaching sessions, I always say like the tools that I'm setting my clients up within it is it's a lot of sitting in that and observing the thoughts and getting out of that kind of autopilot response and even questioning where that auto response is coming from. But it's exactly that, like the grief, and I'm again using air quotes. You can't see me, Um, but the grief work is life work, and and that's what I'm hearing you say, right? It's 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 not to it's it's not this like acute thing that happens over here in solace and we do it and then we're quote unquote healed it's an ongoing process it's an ongoing revisiting and and relearning and unlearning and uh to the point in which it still happens because we're human that grief that that fitness industry talk is still exists we were able to manage it and hold it differently. Yeah, that's exactly it. And to cut that crap fitness marketing out of your life and social media feed, however you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just think it's so interesting, like the parallels between, between the work that you do and the work that we do. So th- yeah, thank you for that, for that insight. Yeah, you hit it right on the nail there, Jesse, when you were talking about the work you do. I've been following you as well, Jesse, and I've been taking a lot of a lot of what you've said and Aditi talks about when we talk about grief. I've integrated myself into my own practices because I do have my own insecurities. And listening to both of you, I'm like, yes, I'm on the right track. So I challenge anybody out there that's listening to the podcast today who's like, oh, but it, you know. I've tried, but it's not working. It's worth to keep trying because it does get easier and those moments are less. With that, I thought, Jesse, I'd ask you our final question and I'm going to change it a little bit. And that is, if you were to go back to the Jesse that started in fitness and health so many years ago, where what is one thing that you would say that you wish you could say to yourself now that might have supported, adjusted, or just given that piece of advice to that, Jesse, many moons ago when you were starting this journey in fitness and health and uh, postnatal and prenatal fitness? Yes, yes. Well, you know what? I'll take it back way, way far. And that is to when I was eight at gymnastics, because gymnastics has been on my mind quite a lot lately with Simone Biles and then getting back into adult gymnastics myself. But I had this moment that I remember so clearly at eight years old at gymnastics class. And I was looking around the gym at the competitive gymnast and noticed that these girls, these kids who were in the competitive group were flipping off boxes and doing backflips. And I wasn't able to do that stuff. And in that moment, I remember thinking they're able to do that 
because their body is smaller and my body is bigger. So if I want to be able to do backflips, I need to make my body smaller. And that was kind of the start of a lot of really painful years for me. But then now I'm 34 years old. I've had two full-term pregnancies, two cesarean recoveries. And you know, the other night I was flipping at gymnastics practice and doing backflips on our backyard trampoline and impressing my kids. <laughs> so I just think that what I wish my conversations as a kid were centered around, what I wish my conversations with my clients were centered around in those early days of fitness coaching was that your body size, your body composition does not dictate what your body can do. It does not dictate how you're going to feel in your body or the symptoms or the aches and pains that you may or may not feel. Really what I wish the conversations had been centered around was that all bodies, all bodies, shapes, sizes, compositions can be powerful, strong, soft, magnificent, and we don't need to force ourselves or be on this linear projection of shrinking for the entirety of our lives to feel joy and pleasure within the body that we live in. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Jesse. I just continually appreciate you in this space and your voice and what you're doing for all birthing and postpartum people, um, those who have experienced loss included. We're just very, very grateful for you. And we thank you so much for your time and coming on today. Yeah, it's been a real honor to share share the space with you. Thank you all so much for having me. Yes. And thank you, our listeners. And we look forward to having you back next time on Beyond the Loss. <laughs>